Blog Talk Radio. The Bible says my king is a seven-way king. He's a king of the Jews. That's a racial king. He's a king of Israel. That's a national king. He's a king of righteousness. He's the king of the ages. He's the king of heaven. He's the king of glory. He's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. That's my king. Well, I wonder, do you know it? (laughs) David said, the heavens declare the glory of God. And the firmament showeth his handiwork. My king is a, is a sovereign king. No means of measure can define his limitless love. No far-seeing telescope can bring into visibility the coastline of his shoulder supply. No barrier can hinder him from pouring out his blessings. He's enduringly strong. He's entirely sincere. He's eternally steadfast. He's immortally graceful. He's impurely powerful. He's impartially merciful. Do you know him? He's the greatest phenomenon that has ever crossed the horizon of this world. He's God's son. He's a sinner's savior. He's the centerpiece of civilization. He stands in the solitude of himself. He's august and he's unique. He's unparalleled. He's He is the loftiest idea in literature. He's the highest personality in philosophy. He is the supreme problem in high criticism. He's the fundamental doctrine of true theology. He is the coral necessity for spiritual religion. He's the miracle of the age. He is the superlative of everything good that you choose to call him. He's the only one qualified to be an all-sufficient Savior. I wonder if you know him today. He supplies strength for the weak. He's available for the tempted and the tried. He sympathizes and he saves. He strengthens and sustains. He guards and he guides. He heals the sick. He cleanses the lepers. He forgives sinners. He discharges debtors. He delivers the captives. He defends the feeble. He blesses the young. He serves the unfortunate. He regards the age. He rewards the diligent. And he beautifies the meager. I wonder if you know him. Well, this is my king. He's the key to knowledge. He's the wellspring of wisdom. He's the doorway of deliverance. He's the pathway of peace. He's the roadway of righteousness. He's the highway of holiness. He's the gateway of glory. Do you know him? Well, his office is manifold. His promise is sure. His life is matchless. His goodness is limitless. His mercy is everlasting. His love never changes. His word is enough. His grace is sufficient. His reign is righteous, and his yoke is easy, and his burden is lighter. I wish I could describe him to you, because he's indescribable. He's incomprehensible. He's invincible. He's irresistible. Well, you can't get him out of your mind. You can't get him off of your hand. You can't outlive him. 
and you can't live without him. Yeah! 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 That's my kid! All right. Amen, 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 amen. I greet you in the master's name of Jesus Christ, Yeshua HaMashiach, my Lord and Savior, my God, my Redeemer, my Rock. I want to say Shabbat Shalom to everybody out there. I hope that you all have had a blessed week and that the Most High has richly blessed you in everything that you put your hands to, and that he's kept you safe from all hurt and harm. I want to welcome you all out to another edition of The Sword of the Spirit. I'm Brother Miles, and I am your host. We have been working in the New Testament, and we have been going through the book of, we'll be doing the book of uh, First and Second Peter today. On last week, we did the book of James, and I hope that something was said to someone that edified them. As we continue to read in the scriptures, uh, as we go through the Bible this year, I want us to keep a mind on the kingdom, kingdom of the Most High, because this is what Messiah came to, to give back to us, his kingdom. And so we want to be mindful of that as we read the scriptures. That is all to the learning and the uh, coming to the understanding and the living in the kingdom, establishing the culture, uh, living by the laws, uh, so forth and so on. So I hope that something will be said to edify you in that regard. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pray us in. Our psalm reading for today will be Psalm 50, and um, then we'll get right into the book of First and Second Peter. And I have the ladies to cover their heads, the men to uncover their heads. Let us turn toward the east toward Jerusalem, holy hands raised to the Most High. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your loving kindness and your tender mercies. We thank you for life and health and strength today. We thank you for the opportunity to once again come together and to break bread and to observe your Shabbat, a day of rest that you have ordained that your people should keep perpetually throughout all time. Father, we ask that you will forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. We ask that you lead us not into temptation, but that you deliver us from evil. We ask that you hold not the iniquities of our forefathers against us, for they are all gone by the way of the grave, and we are still yet here, seeking to keep your statutes, laws, and commandments in spirit and in truth. Father, you have said that your people Israel have done wickedly, and that they have sinned before you, and that they have walked contrary to you, and that you have turned your eyes and your ears away from your people. But you have said if your people would turn from their wicked ways, and if they would repent of their sins, and if they would acknowledge that they have sinned against you, and if they would accept of the punishment, that you will once again turn your eyes and your ears toward your people. So, Father, we want to acknowledge that we have sinned against you and that we have walked contrary to you and that we have repented of our sins, Father. And, Father, we ask that you would turn again your eyes and your ears toward your people, Israel, and our testimony will be to the world that this is what happens when you disobey the Most High God. Father, we pray for Israel that is asleep, that you might wake them and give them an unction to come and keep your statutes, laws, and commandments. We pray for Israel that is awake, that you might give them a meek and a humble spirit, a spirit of love, for you are love. Now, Father, as we go to work in the kingdom, we ask that you would smile upon this work and that you would give us favor in all that we do. In Yeshua's precious name I pray, amen and amen. All right. 
Our psalm reading for today is Psalm 50. I will read it in its entirety. A psalm of Asaph. The mighty Elohim, even Yah, has spoken and called the earth from the rising of the sun unto the going down thereof. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, Yah has shined. Our Elohim shall come and shall not keep silence. A fire shall devour before him, and it shall be very tempestuous around about him. He shall call to the heavens from the above and to the earth that he may judge his people. Gather my saints together unto me, those that have made a covenant with my sacrifice, and the heavens shall declare his righteousness, his righteousness, for Yah is judge himself, Selah. Hear, O my people, I will speak, O Israel, and I will testify against thee. I am Yah, even thy Elohim, and I will not reprove thee for thy sacrifices or thy burnt offerings to have been continually before me. I will take no bullock out of thy house, nor he goes out of thy folds, for every beast of the forest is mine, and the cattle upon a thousand hills. I know all the fowls of the mountains, and the wild beasts of the field are mine. If I were hungry, I would not tell thee, for the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. Will I eat the flesh of bullocks, or drink the blood of goats? Offer unto Elohim thanksgiving, and pay thy vows unto the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver thee, and thou shalt glorify me. But unto the wicked, Yah said, What hast thou to do to declare my statutes, or that thou shouldest take my covenant in thy mouth? Seeing thou hatest instruction, and castest my words behind thee. When thou sawest a thief, then thou contendest with him and has been partakers with adulterers. Thou givest thy mouth to evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou seest and speakest against thy brother. Thou slanderest thine own mother, mother's son. These things hast thou done, and I kept silence. Thou thoughtest that I was altogether such as one as thyself, but I will reprove thee and set them in order before thine eyes. Now consider this. You that forget Elohim, lest I tear you in pieces, and there be none to deliver. Whoso, whoso offers praise glorifies me, and to him that offer his, to him that offers his salvation. Let me reread that. Whoso offers praise glorifies me, and to him that ordereth his conversation aright shall I show the salvation of Yah. May the Most High add a blessing to the reading, the hearing, and the understanding, and the doing of his word. In Yeshua's precious name I pray, amen and amen. All right. I want to say uh, Shabbat Shalom to everybody out in Pal Talk Land and Blog Talk Land on the Internet in general, uh, no matter where you might be listening from. I hope that uh, the Most High richly blesses you. Let us get into the book of First and Second Peter. Now, um, James wrote James wrote a letter to the twelve tribes scattered. Okay, and we know that that had to be written after seventy A.D. when the twelve tribes were actually scattered. I don't know the exact date of that letter, but it had to be after that time. It is um, 
kind of marvels me that Peter wrote a similar letter, but this is to the Gentiles. Okay, so let's get started on it. First Peter chapter 1, verse 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, or Yeshua HaMashiach, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of Yah, the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of blood of Jesus Christ, or Yeshua HaMashiach, grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be Elohim and the Father of our Master, Yeshua, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, or Yeshua, from the dead. Now, I find it uh, a couple of things in these, these first three verses that um, we have to pay particular attention to. The first sentence. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered. The strangers were always foreigners. So these are Gentiles who have come into the fold, okay? Strangers could always join Israel. You could always join the nation. And he's saying here, they are elect according to the foreknowledge of Elohim, the Father, meaning that these people are chosen to come into the kingdom by the foreknowledge of the Most High through sanctification of his spirit. Now, we're having a discussion on Power Talk and about the Holy Spirit, and this sanctification is from the Holy Spirit or the Spirit of the Most High. Okay? It is the Holy Spirit that separates us from everybody else. And we really need to understand that. So he says, through the sanctification of the Spirit, the separating of, by the Spirit, unto obedience and the sprinkling of blood of Yeshua, grace be unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be Elohim and the Father of our Master Yeshua, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us. We are begotten by Messiah, by the Spirit of Messiah, which is the same Spirit that was in, that the same Spirit, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the Father. One Spirit. By one Spirit are we begotten. So he says, we, blessed be uh, the Elohim and Father of our Master Yeshua, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us. We are begotten by the Father. Okay? So many of us read the scriptures and understand that um, Messiah is the one bringing us in. But he's telling us here that they're kind of one and the same. They are one and the same. We are begotten of the Father, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Yeshua from the dead. So we have to understand that this mechanism with the most I put in place, he's offering it to the strangers, to the Gentiles, to an inheritance incorruptible, incorruptible and undefiled. So we as saints, when we come to the, the knowledge of who our Savior is and we uh, more or less pledge ourselves to him, 
by repenting and being baptized in his name and receiving his spirit, um, we gain an inheritance that's incorruptible. No man on earth can corrupt what the Most High has for us. The only one who can corrupt or take it away from you is yourself. So to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, meaning that there is nothing in it uh, within the promise, within the inheritance that man can defile, because we know the Most High is not defiled. So no man can corrupt this or defile it. And that fate is not away, reserved in heaven for you. Now, this heaven is the kingdom of heaven. And this kingdom of heaven is going to be and is right now on the earth. And this is what we want to keep our mind on. Messiah said the kingdom is within us. His whole testimony was that the kingdom is here right now. We are supposed to be becoming citizens of that kingdom and then living as citizens in and of that kingdom. You are in the world. You are in the world, but not of it. You're supposed to be of the kingdom of heaven. But in this world, ambassadors reaching out to every individual that's in this world and offering them the kingdom of heaven. So we're supposed to be in the world but not of it, and we're supposed to be our, uh, what I want to look for, our inheritance is here, and it's going to be incorruptible when he returns, and it's going to be undefiled because he's going to get rid of all the wicked out of it. Verse 5, who are kept by the power of Yah, through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. We have to what? walk strong and steady and live according to the statutes, laws, and commandments of the kingdom of heaven until the end, because he says this thing would be in the last time, revealed in the last time, wherein you greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through uh, many temptations. It says manifold, but that really just means diverse or many different kinds of temptations. You know, this world has all kinds of temptations, and we have to do everything in accordance with the word of Yah. It just must be that way. And whether it's man or woman, you have to walk according to the word of Yah. That the trial of your faith being much more precious than that of gold that perish, though it be tried with fire, if your faith be tried with fire, just like gold is tried with fire, these trials and these tribulations that you go through, they are for your refining, so to burn off all those impurities, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Yeshua HaMashiach, whom having not seen, you love, haven't ever seen him, seen pictures of what people say he's supposed to look like, whether it's Caucasoid, white, or whether it's um, Hebrewish, black. But nobody really knows what he looked like. We just know that it says that he was not comely, that he should be desired. Whom having not seen, you love, in whom... Though you, 
though now you see him not, you believe. You rejoice with your joy unspeakable and full of glory. We're, you know, I don't know about anybody else. You know, nobody can't shake me from this walk or this faith. Nobody can't put me on another another mission. And nobody can't take away the joy and the peace that I have in Messiah, in the most high, in understanding that the work that he's done in my life. So this joy that you get is understanding that you're at peace with him and that you know that he's going to provide for all your needs. Everything you put your hands to, you're blessed in it. Receive the end of your faith. Receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, that's the end of our faith. That's what we believe in unto the end, that we're going to be what? Saved. From what? What are we being saved from? The wrath of the Most High. Think about that. People always say they're saved, but I don't really think they understand what they're saved from. The Most High is going to come back to this world, and he's going to he's going to kill people and not take names. But then he's also going to raise up all the dead, some to everlasting life and some to everlasting damnation and torment. And those that are the ones that are saved are saved from his wrath, from that lake of fire, which some people just don't believe really exists. So this is the salvation that we are that we are saved to. Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you Gentiles. Because see, at first this promise was only to Israel as the priests of the Most High. Israel got fired. And the Most High said, you know, I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that I would make up the many nations and that of their seed that I would take some to be priests. That seed, that, that remnant of Israel is just that a remnant. All Israel is not going to be saved because all Israel is still, or those that haven't awakened, and come to the realization who they are and uh, are diligently walking and seeking after him, even to the seeking for of his spirit that begats them to be a son of his. A lot of us wake up and all we want to do is keep the law, the law, the law. And we think we can be good in and of ourselves. And we're not even taught to seek after his spirit. And so... When we are not taught that, then we really are trying to get by on our own righteousness. I can do this, and I can do that, and I don't do this, and I don't do that. I'm good in and of myself. But he said, no, we must be born of the water and of his spirit. And that's a literal thing. So most of wants us to wake up and come to him. The rest of Israel... Uh, it's just not going to be pretty. It's just not going to be pretty. Just like it's not going to be pretty for those Gentiles who learn the truth and don't teach the truth and don't keep the statutes, laws, and commandments and think that they have the liberty to walk in sin. 
He did not come and die on the cross so that we could continue to walk in sin. Not the purpose and the reason for his coming. Matter of fact, the scriptures specifically teach against that. And so when people think that they have liberty or grace to walk in sin, uh, they really are, are choosing death. It, it's a sadness, but they really are just choosing death because the Most High is, um, he's not going to let you break his law and then say, oh, uh, you did it ignorantly um, and you never repented. But these people aren't doing it ignorantly. They know what they're doing and they're choosing to want to keep their old ways. So to the Gentiles, he's saying, hey, of which salvations the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ, which is in them, did did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. So the prophets, were they were being told certain things, and nobody was given the whole message. Nobody was given the whole plan until it was time for it to be revealed. And the prophets, even though they had what they had, they were still searching the scriptures trying to find out, even the angels, find out what was the plan of the Most High concerning mankind. And now here we have, we knew when he selected Israel that, oh, these are going to be his people. But then he says, I'm also going to open this thing up to the Gentiles. Verse 12. Unto whom it was revealed, that not unto themselves, but unto us that did minister the things, which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. It's hard to understand Scripture without the interpreter of the Scripture. The interpreter of the scripture is the Holy Spirit himself. And without it, you really can't come to an understanding of what the scripture is actually saying. You can read the words, but there's going to be so much that you cannot accept or can't see. And so he says, they search these things out, the prophets search these things out, trying to find out what was the plan of the Most High. And he's saying, it was revealed to us but unto us that did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Spirit sent down from heaven, which things the angels desired to look into. As I told you before, the angels wanted to know this. What is your plan for mankind? Why, you know, why are you putting up with all his mess? Um, what is this all about? They wanted to know. How come you ain't killed this thing? They wanted to know what the Most High's plan was. And, uh, you know, a lot of people don't read the Quran, uh, but I've read it. And this, you know, stories about this particular uh, situation are in the Quran. And it's saying that, hey, Satan is the one that asked the Most High, what is man that thou art so mindful of him? And the son of man that thou should pay attention to him or visit him. And the most high just told him, I know what you know not. And what the scriptures revealed, 
that the angels wanted to know is that we're his children. That's who they are, Satan. Those are my children. Angels, you the servants. These are my children. One day they're going to grow up, and you're going to take orders from them. But for now, look over them. And if I send you to punish them, you're going to do exactly what I said and no more. If I tell you to kill them, kill them. If I tell you just punish them, you just punish them. So the angels desire to look into this. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind. Get your mind together. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation or the revealing of Mashiach. A lot of people still don't know who he is. They don't understand what the scriptures teach about him. But when he returns, they're going to know exactly who he is. And I'm not talking about color or anything like that. I'm talking about who he is. Because some people think he's just a prophet. Some people think he's God. Some people think he's the son. Some people think he's the father. Whomever you think he is, when he's revealed himself, we're going to all be in awe of him. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lust in your ignorance. In other words, whatever he brought you out of, you don't have to go back into it. If he brought you out of prostitution or whoredoms or fornication or adultery, uh, drugs, whatever you were, your soul lusted after, whatever was imprinted on your brain that you just can't, can't get away from, and he brings you out of it, saying, hey, those things you lusted after, in your ignorance, but once you know it, you're no longer ignorant of it. But as, but as he which has called you in holy, as he which has called you is holy, so be you holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. Can we hear that? Be you holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who, without respect of persons, judges according to every man's work, Past the time of your work, past the time of your sojourning here in fear. It's worth sojourning. Means of visitation. As I told you, we are in this world, but we're not supposed to be of this world. And we're supposed to be born from above, born into that kingdom. That kingdom is coming here. We need to understand that this is only temporary, and no matter how much time you have on this earth, it's temporary. I don't care whether it's 30 years, 10 years, 110 years, it's temporary. And the only way it won't be temporary for you is if Mashiach chooses to come back and crack the sky and you are changed in the twinkling uh, of an eye. The time you blink, that's a twinkle. You blink one minute, you're mortal, next minute you're immortal. Or one second you're mortal, next second you're immortal. Or better yet said, one blink, you're mortal. The next time you blink, you're immortal and you've changed. That's the only people who are not going to see this temporariness. 
Other than that, we're all going to go to the grave. For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, you weren't redeemed with those things from your vain conversations received by traditions from your fathers. A lot of people think that, oh, if I attain enough wealth, if I save up enough money, um, if I secure myself, then I'm secure in this world. But what about the world to come? Your silver and your gold and your and your barn full of food and your refrigerator full of full of groceries and those types of things won't save you, won't keep you, won't do you any good in the in the world to come. And I'm not talking about the sleep that we go into. I'm talking about when we are reawakened by Messiah. Those things won't help you. And even in death, they won't help you. So these are traditions and fables and things that are taught by the fathers, not understanding but wanting to wanting to have an answer uh, to a question, what happens after this life? So start making up things. but with the precious blood of Mashiach as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. You needed that blood of Mashiach to what? Pay for your sins and to redeem you, whether you are Jew or Gentile, Hebrew or Gentile, black, white, purple, green, orange, it don't matter. If you walk on two legs and you consider yourself to be a man or a woman, you need this blood. Who verily was foreordained before the foundations of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So the Most High planned this thing before he created the world. He knew what man would do. And he put the plan of salvation in place before he ever even created anything. This is what the scripture is telling us. But it was not manifested, did not appear until it was time for it to appear. Messiah did not appear with salvation until it was time. Who by him do believe in Yah. that raised him up from the dead and gave him glory that your faith and hope might be in Yah. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unseen love of the brethren. See that you love one another with a pure heart fervently. Now, the brethren, the brethren are those who believe in Mashiach who walk in his ways, who keep his statutes, laws, and commandments. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Those are your brethren. Those are your sisters. Those are your people to love one another with a pure heart, fervently. That means with, with force, with vigor, with um with your with all your heart, with might. Not not a um, a surface type of love um, that's shallow. That at the first sight of trouble you're gone, you uh, you're running. It's not what he's talking about. 
this is going to take some work. Being born again. See, now, I love this verse right here because we have this discussion also about being born again. And so many people do not understand or are being taught that being born again is the the um, regeneration of your body. That is the regeneration of your body. That is the rapture, and that is not to be born again. That is the regeneration. If you are not born again before that time, you're not going to make it. So being born again means that you have been filled with the spirit of the Most High already, and you are begotten by his spirit, evidence that you've been begotten by his spirit. And if you're waiting for it to happen, you're going to be in trouble. So if the Gentiles can be born again, and it says that they are born again already when they uh, come into Mashiach, Hebrews better understand that. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of Yah, which liveth and abideth forever. We have to be born of the spirit, and we have to eat spiritual food. The words that I speak, they are spirit and they are life. When we are born again, we have to eat this word. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower thereof fadeth away or falleth away. So this is the nature of flesh. To what? to rot away, to fade away. The word of Yah endureth forever. And this is the word which the gospel is preached unto you. We need to get this word down in us. We need to get his spirit because he says, if I return it, I don't find my spirit in you. You're not any of mine. And it's by my spirit that is in you. By my spirit that is in you. I'm going to raise you up from the dead. So if we don't have a spirit, we're, we're going to be raised as well, but not to him. It's going to be to judgment. And this is so critical and so important that people understand this. Don't walk in your own might. Don't walk and leave it the chance that, oh, um, if I read this Bible, I'm going to make it. The Pharisees and the Sadducees read the scriptures. They knew the law. And Messiah said, you're hypocrites. Called them hypocrites. They knew the word, but they weren't doing it. They read it, but they didn't believe it. And they thought they could get in under their own might, their own what they did. And so you have to understand that we have to accept Messiah, and we have to allow him to fill us with his spirit. Chapter 2, wherefore, laying aside all malice, hatred, and all guile, this word guile in the Greek uh, is the word dolos, obsolete primary verb, delo, probably meaning to decoy, decoy, to trick, you know, to bait somebody, switch and bait or bait and switch, 
show you one thing and then do something else. So while somebody crafts, deceit, guile, subtlety. So this word uh, means to really, in our language, really means to what? To trick someone. If we bring it down to to the short bus version. Wherefore, laying aside all malice, which is hatred, and all guile, trickery, and hypocrisy, saying one thing and doing another, saying one thing and being another way, and envies, uh, desiring to have what someone else has, um, even if it's openly or secretly, in all evil speakings. How many times do you hear people talking about other people? It's just constantly coming out of their mouth. Just talk about people. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk, milk of the word that you may grow thereby. The sincere, sincere milk of the word, that which nourishes what? A babe. So many of us are still babes in the scriptures that we need milk, but we want, we want that steak. We want to chew on, on that meat, and we can't understand, well, why do I have the understanding that I have? Because you haven't even graduated from the milk of the word. You have tasted that of, of the Lord is gracious. So let me reread these two verses over again. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. People, uh, you know, I have to say this. They come into this, and they, like I said, they want the meat, but they never grasp the sincere milk, that, that, that which a babe would need to grow on. So they come in as babes with no teeth, trying to bite off a piece of steak, and thinking they have consumed it when really they have choked. That you may grow thereby. If so be, if so be, you have tasted that Yah is gracious to whom coming as unto a living stone. This allowed indeed of of precious. You also as lively stones are built as a spiritual house. The Most High says, I desire Solomon or David. What house shall you build me? Seeing that the earth is mine and the fullness thereof. What house are you going to build me? The earth, the earth is my footstool. The heavens are my throne. What house shall you build me? David, it's like he didn't understand that, hey, um, most high, you know, I got this beautiful home, this palace and stuff, and you're still over there in a tent. Let me build you a house. And not understanding that the most high wanted the people to be his house. He says, we are his temple. You also, as lively stones, are built as a, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to Yah by Jesus Christ. Now, I want, I want my brothers and sisters to hear this because we have a problem when we think that the Gentiles aren't supposed to be priests and that they're not supposed to be able to give sacrifices. Whoever the Most High brings into Israel is Israel. It doesn't matter whether you are a Hebrew or you're a Gentile. 
a certain sect of Gentiles and Hebrews are going to be Israel. And some of them, Gentiles, will be servants. That's scripture. But he says, you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices. Spiritual sacrifices. Oh, we're going to say, oh, to the here in the body. You see, we, we as people need to get away from this dividing the body and trying to decide uh, who's going to go where in the body and who fits where. Messiah says he fits the body together. And so we want to place people in the body where we want them at or keep them out of the body. And he's saying right here in this letter through Peter that these are to the strangers, the Gentiles, to offer up spiritual sacrifices and acceptable to Elohim by Yeshua. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, and he that believeth on him. He didn't say what Hebrew believes on him. He didn't say what Gentile believes on him. He says he, he is general. So whosoever that believes on him shall not be confounded. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed, the same is made the head of the corner. So if you believe he's precious, he becomes your chief cornerstone. But those who are disobedient, he becomes their head, and they don't allow him in their lives. They walk a crooked path because he's the one, he's the chief cornerstone that sets everything straight. The chief cornerstone is the first stone that's laid. If it's crooked, everything else will be crooked. So this is what this is saying. So let me read First Peter 2, 7. Unto you, therefore, which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders disallowed. This is the stone that uh, the builders said, oh, we don't want this one. The same is made the head of the corner, stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient whereunto also they were appointed. So when we choose to not believe uh, the most high in everything. Even this word can become a what? Stumbling block. So he said, even to them which stumble at the word, being disobedient, whereunto also they were appointed. I guess I should stop preaching to them since they're appointed to that. Um, let's just try not to find ourselves in that situation, uh, being in that group. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who has called you out of the darkness into the marvelous light. So a chosen generation, this generation is not like a generation that we think of. When it's talking about a generation, 
from generation to generation, the Most High has been building Israel. In every generation, you have good and you have what evil. You have those that will and you have those that won't. And until he fulfills everybody that he wants in his body, he's still generating. And so from generation to generation, you have people being So you are a chosen generation. That means that you're part of all, everybody that's come in from the beginning that are his. And until he stops generating, it's that same generation, if that makes sense. The generation in creating his body is a generation, a matter of years. It's a matter of generating. And until he's finished generating, that generation continues. A royal priesthood. This is what he's creating. A holy nation. A peculiar people. This is those who love him. It was to the Jews first, but now it's also to the Gentiles. The Most High don't care who you are if you come into him the way you're supposed to come, with your whole heart. You don't care whether you're black, white, green, or yellow. You don't care whether you're a Hebrew, a Gentile, or an Edomite. If you come into him with your whole heart and you have repented, he finds you acceptable. But when we are proud and puffed up and trying to keep people out, uh, don't keep the statutes, laws, and commandments. Don't allow him to fill us with his spirit. Think that we can do this thing on our own. We deceive ourselves. So the chosen generation are all those. He says many are called, but few are what chosen. You have to be chosen into this. Unctions you. He he beckons you to come, and based upon your heart, based upon your uh, ability to submit based upon to him, based upon uh, your willingness to keep his statutes, laws, and commandments, based upon your love for him, he chooses you. You don't choose him. He does the calling and he does the choosing. So he's choosing a generation of people to be a, a royal priesthood and a holy nation. This is what people don't understand. Be born into this by his spirit. It's not by your blood, because even those who are of the blood have to be born into this kingdom by his spirit to be a holy nation, a peculiar people. This A peculiar pre- people means so precious that you value it above everything. And so he's saying he values these people, this chosen generation above everything, that you should be showed forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which which in times past were not a people, but are now the people of Elohim, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. So before this, the Gentiles, 
they were without Yah. And there were no people. They were just, they were here in the world, but their end was already written, just like so many people who are going to be lost. Their end is already written to be burned in the lake of fire. Dearly beloved, I beseech you as strangers and people, abstain from fleshly lusts, and um, which war against the soul. Pastor Miles Davis did an excellent, excellent um, teaching on the soul and the body and the spirit. In the breakdown of it, your soul. See, the lusts come from what? They come from your body. Your body wants to eat. Your body wants to procreate. Your body wants uh, things that it can't have. Okay, or things that it can have. But it is the vehicle that the soul uses. Okay, the soul is your mind and your will and your emotions. That's your soul. That's what makes up your soul. So the body feeds the soul. The soul speaks spirit, but they're separate. Because this body and this mind, uh, your emotions, these are all earthly things. But your spirit is eternal. The, the spirit man in you, it receives from the soul. And if, you, if the soul feeds the spirit man corruptible things, the spirit will become what? Corruptible. Corrupt. If the soul feeds the spirit defiled things, the spirit will become what? Defiled. And the spirit, in a sense, is not the breath of life. That's the part that belongs with the body. The body needs air to survive. The spirit doesn't need air to survive. But the body does. The soul does. Life. But the spirit itself, the man, the spirit in the man, the man spirit that's inside of the being, that uses the body, it uses the soul. Whatever it's fed in the soul is how it becomes. And so drug addicts, when they take a drug, at first, first time you use a drug, 99.9% of the time, it's not going to addict you. But as you continue to use it, and it gets the soul crazy, and the soul feeds this desire to the spirit, the spirit succumbs to it. And once it's downloaded in the spirit, then it's like a, it's like written there permanently. And the only way to get it out is to try to keep overriding it, try to keep overruling uh, it by overriding it until you've overwritten it so much that your spirit anymore. That takes a long time. Well, a lot of people are stuck in addictions and, and what have you because they don't have anything else to overwrite their spirit with. Everything else that they, without the word of Yah and not overwriting your spirit with the word of Yah, anything else that you try to overwrite it with, uh, you're still going to have lingerings of 
that old man, and you're going to suffer behind it. So these things war against the soul. You need to protect your soul and you need to protect your spirit, just like you protect your body. Having your conversation honest among Gentiles, among the Gentiles, that whereas you speak, whereas they speak against you as evildoers, they may by your good works, which they shall behold, glorify Yah in the day of visitation. This is one where he's coming back to. Submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for Yah's sake. There's a lot of people to understand this, that uh, the Most High doesn't want us to make him look bad under any circumstance, not even with man's law. So he says, submit yourselves unto every ordinance of man for Yah's sake, whether it be to the king as supreme. So they say, oh, man wrote that. Or unto governors as unto them that are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of them that do well. A lot of people wonder why they run around, why a lot of young men are are running around being killed the way they are. Multiple reasons. But the world would be way more upset if we were walking in the word of Yah and we were known that we were not evil, that we didn't steal, that we didn't do all this the, the sins of the world because you name it, we're doing it. And our young people are going crazy, going buck wild. It's different when you have a culture that is godly. And the world knows you that way. So when an atrocity is committed against you, the world will come to your aid. But when they see, hey, you being, um, see see you as wild and uh, um, crazy, um, doing stuff you ought not do, then they don't really have any pity no compassion for you. They don't get outraged. They already think you're an animal, and then when you act like one, they just say, oh, see, they just prove it. Yeah, and we walk in his ways. Then they would they would be upset. They would be saying, oh, this is an atrocity. We have to do something about this. That's one of the reasons. The main reason we're not walking after our Elohim, we're not teaching our children to. So he says, be in obedience to those governors, whether it's the president, which, oh, I can't stand the president we have now, but I pray for him. Uh, But he's really an evil man. For so is the will of Yah, that with well-doing you may put to to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness. Your liberty. You're at liberty when you come into Messiah. Before, as the carnal man, you had no choice. It was your nature. It's all you knew. Now I'm going to give you a choice. I'm going to give you liberty. And you're going to have the choice to choose. To do good and choose life or to do evil and choose death. So, for it is the will of Yah that that with you, well-doing, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free and not 
from your liberty as a cloak of maliciousness, of hatred, but as the servants of Yah. Honor all men. Love the brotherhood. Fear Elohim. Honor the servants. Be subject to your masters. A lot of people in slavery don't want If you are in Messiah, you need to hear this. Servants, be subject to your masters. If you choose to be a servant, you need to be in what? Subjection to your what? Master. With all fear, not only to the good and the gentle, but also to the froward. If you have a master and the most has put him over you and he is gentle, he says, hey, do what? Still fear him. If you are froward, if your master is not you froward, but your master is froward, and this word froward means, um, look it up, probably not good, perverse, crooked. So let me read this with the English word in it. Servants, be subject to your own masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the perverse. Crooked, untoward. You got some perverse people out there. If the Most High has put you up under them, he says, be obedient to them. For this is thanksworthy if a man for for conscience toward Yah endure grief, suffering wrongfully. Can we hear that? For what glory is it? If when you be buffeted for your fault, you shall take it patiently. But if when you do well and suffer for it, you take it patiently, this is acceptable to Yah. In other words, when it's for your own good, you want to you wanna, um, suffer it and you're patient with it. But if you're doing it because, you know what, the Most High has told me to be meek and mild. He's told me to be obedient to those that are over me. And I'm being done wrong. But I'm doing right, but I'm being done wrong. He says, suffer it and go to him. He will reward you. For even hereunto were you called. So if you find yourself in that situation or you put yourself in that situation, you were called to that because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that we should follow his steps. He opened not his mouth. Is what the scripture says. He didn't complain. Who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. Who when he was reviled, reviled not again. That word reviled means when he was reviled. That Greek word is Antiladora, Antiladora, to rail in reply. That means to turn around in when he was reviled, when he was treated and, and with people from out of anger. He reviled not. He didn't return that that to them. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judged righteously. So he said, hey, when when they mistreated him, he turned to the Most High who judges righteously. He's saying that's what we should do. 
who his own self bear our sins in his own body on a tree, on the tree, that we, being dead to sins, should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. This is what Messiah did for us. For you were as sheep going, you were as sheep going astray, but are now returned unto the shepherd and bishop of your souls. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, not to every man. Whatever man you put yourself up under, because see, a lot of people, we don't live by these scriptures. And a lot of women out there are having this man this week and that man next week uh, have been in relationships that uh, have caused them to become adulterers, um, according to the scriptures. And whoever is your husband, he says, be in subjection to your own husband. Told servants to be in what? Subjection to their masters? He said, in subjection to your own husbands, that it may that if any obey not the word, if your husband obey not the word, they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. So if you are a holy woman and you consider yourself to be a holy woman and you married a man that was worldly, said be in subjection to your husband. You still live a godly life. You still walk in meekness and humbleness. And if you suffer at the hands of this man, you're supposed to do what? What did he just tell us? Do it, suffer it unto Yah and take it to Yah, that by your walk, your conversation, your chaste conversation, your husband may be changed. Wow. You know, I've been treating this woman bad, and all she ever does is treat me good. And I, I just I can't live with myself because of the way I treat her. He's going to leave or he's going to change and treat you better. Now, unless he's just just evil and wicked, and then you made your bed because how did you get with him? Maybe you got too long and you went out and found a man in the world because you didn't want to be alone in your bed. Maybe you were looking for compassion love. Maybe you just couldn't keep your legs closed. Whatever the reason, you married him. He says, now, what? Be in subjection to him. So many women want their husbands to be in subjection to them uh, in the way that they're supposed to be in subjection to him. The scriptures are always clear and tell us that the woman was made for the man not the man for the woman. And we've got it to the world. While they hold your chaste conversation coupled with fear. Modern day women don't want to hear that. Why should I fear a man? Why should I fear my husband? Why should I um, not, why should I not be his equal? So let's read these verses slower, and I'm going to start over. And I hope somebody can hear something, and I hope that it sticks with you. I hope that you consume it and understand 
saying, hey, if you've already made your choice, live within your choice and turn it over to Yah. If you haven't made a choice yet, be careful whom you marry. Likewise, you wives, be in subjection to your own husbands, that if any obey not the word, if any man out there obey not the word or husband obey not the word, that also they also may without the word be won by the conversation of the wives. While they behold your chaste conversation, coupled with fear, not fear of them, but fear of the Most High, because that's who you're supposed to be fearing, and he's the one that says, do this. I tell a lot of women this when discussing the scriptures uh, and counseling and what have you. The Most High never told the man to make you obey. He never told the man to make you submit. And a lot of men think it's their job to make the woman submit. But the Most High never gave that to him. He gave that commandment directly to the woman, told her to submit herself. So in the end, if she hasn't submitted herself, she's got to answer for that. But so many men try to make the woman submit herself. Then the Most High has not given him that commandment to make her submit, but he told her to do it. Now he's telling her to do it with what? Fear. Fear of him of what's going to happen to her because of the natural nature of a woman. While they behold your chaste conversation coupled with fear, whose adorning let it not be with the outward adorning of the plaiting of hair and of the wearing of gold or of the putting on of apparel. In other words, your outward appearance. You look good on the outside, but you a whited sepulcher. Uh, look good on the outside, but full of what? Dead man's bones, rotten to the core. But let it be with the man of the heart, in which is not corruptible, even an ornament of a meek, a meek, this word meek means mild, humble. Our women need to hear this today a meek and a humble spirit. So let it be with the hidden man of the heart in that which is not corruptible, even the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit, which is in the sight of Yah of great price. You want to be Christ to the Most High? Young lady, old lady? He says be of a meek and a what? Humble spirit. Don't worry about adorning yourself, looking good on the outside if you're writing on the inside. Not saying that you can't look good on the outside. Not saying you can't do those things, but if those are your motivators, if that's what attracts attracts a man to you is uh, how long your hair is, uh, what kind of body you got, what kind of jewelry you got on. Uh, I hate to say it today, you don't know what you're bringing home. Get home and take the weave out. The jewelry comes off. Uh, the booty is made into the pants. Uh, what you get, and so if that's what's drawing you to her. You're probably going to be sadly mistaken to begin with. Number one, but number two is supposed to be the inner man, and that's who she's supposed to be bringing. That inner man in her, who she is, is supposed to be a meek and a humble spirit. And when she marries a man, she's supposed to reverence him. Reverence means to have a healthy respect for. 
Peter saying, this is of a great price to Yah. For after this manner in the old time, the holy women, any of those in the world today, the holy women also who trusted in Yah adorned themselves being in subjection unto their own husbands. Those were the good women in the scriptures. They were in what? Subjection to their own husbands. Not every man. You don't have to be in subjection to every man. But to your, once you're married, you must be in subjection to your husband. Even as Sarah, Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord or Master. Um, can our women hear that today? Oh, no, I ain't calling him Lord or Master. You got some that might dare to call him King or Daddy. But in their own way, they're trying to put him, what, in his proper place. But most of the women today out there are looking for somebody they can rule, somebody that's going to submit to them. So even as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, as long as you do well and are not afraid with any amazement, any woman who chooses and loves her man and is gonna, going to uh, say that she belongs to him, is she ought to not be ashamed to say that he's her Lord or her master. She ought not be ashamed of that. She ought not be in a position where she says, I will never say that. This is at the commandment of the Most High. And yet, we'll say that we're Christians. We'll say that um, we believe in the Most High, but we really don't. He says, if you're not afraid with any amazement, likewise you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife. Any man who has any kind of sense, if his wife is doing right by him, is doing well by him, is uh, there to help meet his needs, who's helping him to fulfill his dreams and his vision for his family. Because people have gotten it twisted. The woman was made for the man. So many out there, women today, think the man was made for them. Well, you need to come and you need to be bringing something to help me fulfill my needs and fulfill my dreams. Um, If you're a godly woman, then you understand that the Most High has ordained that you were made for the man and that your purpose in this life is to help fulfill your husband, to meet his needs in that with all his strength. He will try to provide everything your heart's desire if you look after him first. But today we've gotten this thing so twisted that uh can't come into honest and healthy relationships um, it's just hard. Let me just put it that way. So if you consider yourself to be a daughter of Sarah, understanding that, hey, you're coming into the same faith, the Abrahamic family, which if you are a Christian or a Hebrew, um, that's what you're coming into. And if you're a Gentile coming in, then 
you are also supposed to take on this nature. Likewise, you husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel. doesn't mean weaker as in mind or as in being a human being, uh, but a woman can be kind of gullible. She can be emotional. She can be driven by her emotions and not really by logic or, or sane thought all the time. She can be vindictive. Uh, those things the most I would look at as being weaker. Now that she's not capable of outthinking a man because women think ten times faster than most men. And if they're planning something, they're probably ten steps ahead and thought of all these different things that a man probably would not think of. So it's not in that regard that it's talking about, that she's the weaker vessel. But she is emotional. She uh, does you put something into her and many things come out. She's always thinking, always um, looking at every aspect of everything, and it rules her. And when she feels slighted, um, she can become very vindictive, uh, hateful, with malice, and it keeps telling us don't be malicious. But this can be the nature of a woman. Uh, So, He said, to dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, as being heirs together of grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. If you're a man and you don't want your prayers hindered, then you really do need to be considering your wife as one with you. Doing everything according to that. Finally, be ye all of one mind having compassion one to another or one of another. Love as brethren. Be pitiful. Be courteous. This word pitiful in this sentence doesn't mean, you know, when we say, oh, he was pitiful, um, a lot of times I think that's construed that they were uh, just downright, uh, they were needy, they were um, in bad shape. But this word pitiful means um, well-compassioned, sympathetic, be pitiful, compassion. You know, a lot of times we use words and we just use them in the wrong way. We think that, um, you know, we're thinking that we have put our own meaning on it uh, and you find people using it. uh, And when you actually look up the word, it doesn't really mean the way they're using it. So, uh, you know, you hear people say, oh, when they will find somebody doing wrong and they couldn't stop doing it, they say, oh, you're just pitiful. Uh, really, and what they were meaning was that, hey, you, you just, uh, you're a lost cause. But really that word means to be what? Compassionate. Be courteous. Not rendering evil for evil or railing for railing, but contrary, contrarywise, blessing knowing that you are thereunto called, that you should inherit a blessing. So when somebody curses you, you what? Bless them. He said, don't give evil for evil or railing for railing. When somebody else, you know, is talking against you or coming at you, he says, don't do that. He says, but contrary, bless them. See how they react. For he that will love life, and see good days, let him refrain from his tongue from evil, 
and his lips that they speak no guile, no hatefulness, no perverseness. Let him askew or hate people. Let's look at this word askew. The Greek word uh, eklino. Eklino. To deviate. Absolutely to shun. Literally or figuratively or relatively to decline from piety. Avoid. So you want to, uh, he says, uh, what verse we're in? Reframe the tongue from evil. Uh, let's see what verse was I in. Oh, verse 11. Let him askew or shun evil and do good. Let him speak peace and ensue it. Speak peace and ensue it or pursue it. For the eyes of Yah are over the righteous, and his ears are open unto their prayers. But the face of Yah is against them that do evil. So you want to make sure that you're not doing evil according to Yah, not according to your own understanding, but according to him. They said to be of a meek and a humble spirit. Don't be malicious. It says, the eyes of the Most High and his ears are over the righteous, but his face is against those that do evil. And who is he that will harm you? if you be followers of that which is good. But if you suffer, see if we can hear this, if you suffer for righteousness' sake, happy are you, and be not afraid of their terror, neither be troubled. If you suffer for what righteousness' sake, be sanctified, but, but sanctify Yah Elohim in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Why I can't why you just don't seem to get upset? Why is it you always so humble, always got a smile on your face? Why is it that you don't seem to worry about all these things everybody else is worried about? Because Yah got me. Why is it that you're always peaceful? Why is it that you don't argue? That's a hard one. Having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil of you as of evildoers, that they may be ashamed that falsely accuse you, accuse your good conversation in Christ. For it is better, if if the will of Yah be so, that you suffer for well-doing, than for evil doing. So you out here doing well, you being meek, and people taking advantage of you, they're reviling you, they're speaking evil against you, they're coming at you, uh, and you just smile and take it. Yah be with you. Yah bless you. It says you do that, and you suffer for well-doing. It is better than if you suffer for what? Evil doing. Because if you're doing evil, evil's going to come back on you. But you're doing good and evil coming against you? Yah says, I know. I see it. I got you. You just be obedient. 
For Christ also has once suffered for sin, that the just for the, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to, to Elohim, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the by which also he went and preached unto the spirits in prison. That's when he descended into hell, which sometimes were disobedient. Whence once the long suffering of Yah waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was preparing, and wherein few that is, eight souls were saved by water. So a lot of people don't realize that Messiah came for everybody, and everybody had to be preached to this gospel, even the ones that were before the flood. Because Noah preached to them and said, hey, it's going to rain. They didn't believe him. Messiah was going to destroy this place. They didn't believe him. Repent. Turn from your wicked ways before it's too late. They didn't believe him. The like figure whereunto even baptism does also now save us. When the Most High brought that water the first time, it was as a judgment. It killed all but eight souls in this world. Now he uses the water in reverse. And the water now cleanses us from our wet sins. And we are baptized into Christ by it. So the like figure whereunto even baptism does also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward Elohim or toward Yah by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So when the Most High has cleaned you from sin and cleared your conscience, say, hey, if you understand salvation, then you understand that, hey, all my sins that were past were washed away. I got a clean slate to start over and live a righteous life and not sin. I can come to God with a what? Clear conscience. The blood of bulls and goats didn't do that. Only the sacrifice of Messiah, the most I said, was good enough. That's why it's imperative that become correct, and that the pastor or the teacher teaches you exactly what you're coming into, exactly what Messiah did for you, so so that you don't take it in vain, so that you don't accept it in vain, so that you don't treat it as worthless, so that you don't take it and then disobey. Because a lot of people get preached to, get caught up in their emotions, and then they come only to fall back, only to go back into what they were doing, only to never leave what they were doing. See them go down in the water, and the only thing that happened to them, they got wet. No conversion. And then they're not even taught to seek for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. They're not taught to seek that rebirth. Who is gone into heaven and is on the right hand of Yah? Angels and authorities and powers be made subject unto him. Peter chapter four, verse one. So remember, we're trying to we're trying to read these scriptures, and although I'm expounding as I go, and I'm not teaching on any particular subject, we're just dealing with the subject matter that's at hand in the scriptures as we read it. After we finish this, then I will go back into uh, 
kingdom living, how we're supposed to walk, talk, eat, what have you, in the kingdom, because we're supposed to be establishing that culture. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind, for he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, to the will of Yah. People try to get you, they got their own agendas, and when the Most High puts you on a mission, you have to do the mission that the Most High has given you. You have to do it. And when the Most High gives you a mission, you can't let somebody else drive you on their will because it won't be successful. For the time past, for the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought or worked the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revilings, banquetings. Now that's a, um, never really saw that word there. But you hear people say, hey, we're going to a banquet all the time. This is the way of the Gentiles and abominable idolatries, wherein they think it's strange that they run not with them to have the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you when you don't do these things. You know, I don't know what people say about me because I keep Sabbath and I don't go out on Fridays or Saturdays either for that matter, um, haven't been out to be in the world in a long time. Um, you never know what people are saying about you. But it's it. he's saying right here, don't worry about it because uh, this is the way the Gentiles, the nations, will operate. Wherein they think it's strange that you run not with them to the same access of rioting, speaking evil of you. So let's look at this word banqueting because I know that this is big, uh, drinking about or carousal, banqueting. So your party, your uh, uh, big party with the big feast and everybody's drinking and getting wild. So he says, wherein they think it's strange that you don't run with them to the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. And the dead. Yes, Lord, they treated me that way because I didn't run with them. They didn't want to have anything to do with me. They talked bad about me. Said I was a Bible thumper. Said I was uh, this and that. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to the men in the flesh but live according to Elohim in the spirit. But the, end of all, but the end of all things is at hand. But ye therefore be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover a multitude of sins. So you've got to be a charitable person willing to give of yourself, your time and your money. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. 
As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same one to another, as good stewards of the manifold grace of Yah. If any man speak, let him speak as the as the oracles of Yah. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability which Yah giveth, that Yah in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So Every man, as he has received of the Most High, the Most High has blessed every man with a certain gift. He's saying, hey, use that gift to minister, the same one to another. I minister my gift to you, you minister yours to me. Whatever the Most High has given you, you share as good stewards of, of the manifold grace of Yah. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of Yah. Speak of the oracles of Yah. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability of which Yah giveth, that Yah in all things may be glorified. In all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So all things are supposed to be done to the glorification of who? Yah. Beloved. Think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Don't think this thing is strange, that you feel like, hey, you're being tried. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy, because you're going to receive the same reward he received. If you be reproached for the name of Christ, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, we say that again, if you be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are you, for the spirit of glory and of Yah resteth upon you. And on their part, he is evil spoken of. When they, this is what I told people, they don't understand, when they are dealing with a child of the Most High, whatever they say about him, they're really speaking of the Most High. They're really speaking against the Most High. And this is what this verse is saying. For the spirit of glory and of Yah rests upon you. On their part, he is he, Yah, is evil spoken of. But on your part, he is glorified. So if he's talking about you and trying to dog you and trying to revile you, but they're really speaking against him because it's his spirit. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other man's matters. So many, oh man, busybodies. He said, don't, don't let one of you suffer in that. Let none of you suffer as a murderer. Don't be caught up in that, or as a thief. Don't be caught up in that, or as an evildoer. Don't be caught up in that, doing evil or as a busybody in other men's matters. Just got to be all in everybody's business. And then all of a sudden you suffer for it and you think people are wrong. He said, uh uh-uh. If you're not all up in their business and you suffer, then to Yah be the glory. And they are actually uh, going against the most high. But if it's because of you doing wickedness, actually coming on you. Okay. Yet, if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify Yah on this behalf, 
For the time has come that judgment must begin at the house of Yah. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end of them that obey not the gospel of Yah? So if we receive, if judgment starts with us, and we are all going to be judged, he says, and we're promised eternal life, what is going to happen to those that disobey? And if the righteous scarcely be if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? If you are righteous, he's telling you, hey, you're getting in by the skin of your teeth. You missing the judgment and the wrath of Yah by his grace. What's gonna be what do you think is gonna to happen to those that don't accept and don't do the ungodly and the sinner? Where are they going to appear at? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of Yah commit the king of their souls in him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. First Peter chapter 5, verse 1. The elders which are among you I exhort or encourage who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of Elohim, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but for a ready mind, but of a ready mind. So the elder is supposed to, the younger, and is supposed to have oversight over the younger's. So many people disrespect the elders today. The one thing I can say, I never disrespected the elders, especially those that were, um, I knew that were men of Yah, men of God. Never disrespected them, give them double honor. Today, people are, it's just a man. And they don't have reverence or respect for them. Neither be, neither, and he's telling the elders, hey, you hold this position not because you're being forced to, being constrained to, but willingly, not for filthy lucre either, but of a ready mind. It's not that they're not supposed to get paid for doing this either. Don't get me wrong. Because if they're in the ministry, he says they're supposed to make their living by the ministry. You got so many people that... uh so afraid of what they're giving a man that they don't realize the Most High has ordained this thing and said, hey, what's mine is theirs. They don't want to give the Most High anything. So they use that excuse. But he's going to hold them accountable because they're not slick. You can't out-slick the Most High. He knows what your motivation is. He knows it comes from an unclean heart and an unclean thought because it doesn't matter what men do with it. Are you obedient to what he said to do? That's what matters. Are you obedient? The tenth is holy unto me. It's mine. Are you obedient? Or do you look at it, oh, I'm giving it to this man, and he's doing this, and he's doing that? Most times it ain't your business. If you want to know what happens to it, then you come into the ministry if I call you into it. And then I'll make you poor because you ordained that this man should be poor. We talk crazy a lot of times. We talk crazy a lot of times. And we frustrate the grace of the Most High. 
being caught up in our feelings and our dislikes. So he says, he told the man, don't you do it for what? Filthy lucre. Filthy money. Meaning that you're getting this, you know, you're doing, you're not getting this money righteously. And then you're trying to force it out of the people and whatever. Neither are being lords over Yah's heritage. We're supposed to be in samples, examples to the people. And they come and by our example, they want to live a more righteous life. They want to live according to the word of Yah. And so we don't force them to try to be good. He said, don't lord it over them. Don't lord over Yah's heritage. It belongs to him. He puts you over a piece of it. He said, don't lord it over them. But being in samples to the flock. In samples mean a living example. And when the chief shepherd, Mashiach, shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Because what? You were doing the work that he assigned to you. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. And you hear that younger. Submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with the humility. For Yah resisteth the proud and great and giveth grace to the humble. Got a lot of people out here so proud, so puffed up not willing to uh, be meek, so afraid somebody's going to take advantage of them. Uh, it ain't even funny. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of Yah, that he may exalt you to do t- in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Give him all your issues. He'll take care of you. He'll, if you're suffering, he knows it. He says, let me see how humble this one's going to be. Do Is this one like my servant Job? Or is he going to crack up under the first sign of pressure? Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Oh, this one's ready to fall. He's weak. Let me go get him. Oh, she's weak. Let me go get her. That's how a lion works. A lion never prays on the strong in a herd. The lion preys on the weak and the young. The weak, they can't fight, they can't outrun him. The old, they become old and uh, diseased, they can't fight him. The young, they're too young and inexperienced. That's the way a lion works. That's what they look for. If you look at them on TV, they're always looking for the weak, the easy meal. So the devil does the same thing. He's looking who he may devour. Whom resist the steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. It's not just you going through this. Your brethren are also going through it. But Yah, the Elohim of all grace, who has called us unto this eternal glory by Christ, the Mashiach, Yeshua, after that you have suffered a while, make you perfect, established or established, strengthened, and settle you. In other words, this is for your perfecting. 
And when you when he has gotten out of you what he wants out of you, meaning that whatever imperfection is in you or whatever he's trying to strengthen you, then he's going to make you he's going to be steadfast with you. He's going to have perfected you. He's going to establish you. He's going to strengthen you. And then he's going to settle you and give you peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. By Sylvanius, a faithful brother unto you, as I suppose I have written briefly, exhorting or encouraging and testifying that this is the true grace of Yah wherein you stand. The church that is at that is in the church that is at Babylon Babylon elect together with you, salute you, and so does Marcus my son. Greet you one another with a kiss of charity. Peace be with you all that are in Christ. Amen and amen. That has been the book of First Peter. Um we're going to do Second Peter next week. This has been the Sabbath lesson, the reading, the book of First Peter. And he's telling us, hey, we are to be what? Humble, meek, in subjection to the powers that have been put over us. Wives, be in subjection to your heads, your husbands. Husbands, love your wives according to knowledge. This whole book has been about being humble and mild and in subjection to those that are over you. Why? So that the word of Yah be not blasphemed. So that the word so that Yah has ordained these things, that that his people should be a meek and a humble people. And that if we should suffer, that we suffer for his sake. And he will reward us. And if someone takes advantage of us, they're taking advantage of him, and he will reward us, and he will reward them according to their deeds. He especially talks about the wife and her husband and his strong words there that we should all live by. And if we choose another lifestyle, uh, then you are still called to be in subjection to those that you put yourself up under with fear. I ain't fearing nobody. Told the wives that, he told the servants that. So let us take the word of Yah. Let us walk in it, pleasing to him. Let us not lord over his heritage. But let us be righteous leaders, those that have been put into roles of leadership. So until next week, brothers and sisters, may the peace of Yah be with you. May he encamp his angels around you. And may he uh, bless you richly in all things. For Yah is good and he's gracious. And he's worthy to be praised. So praise him every chance you get. Represent him every chance you get. Seek out his spirit with your whole heart and your whole mind, your whole body. This is good and acceptable to him. And this is what he desires. 
He don't desire people just to be a reader of his word, but to be a doer of his word and to understand it. All right. On next week, we will do Second Peter, and we will start in Chapter 1. Until then, be good to one another. God bless.